0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Staying Connected. This is Katie, your host, and today I have Ed with me. Ed is going to talk about his story with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Katie. How
0: are you this morning?
1: I'm good. How about yourself?
0: Good. Uh, We had talked previously about your diagnosis with VEDS, I think, as you were first going through it. So I really appreciate you talking to me about your story. First off, if we could... Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, where you are, who you are, how old you are. Okay,
1: my name is Edward. Um, I'm 36. Um, <clears throat> from here, EPA. Um, currently live in Texas.
0: And how are you diagnosed with a
1: um I was diagnosed through a genetics test. Um, as I was uh, getting open-heart I was I was about to have open-heart surgery <clears throat> and uh, they did a genetics test just kind of like as a like a basic like precaution um, but they actually didn't get the test results back for six months um, so my open-heart was done uh, by the time I got the diagnosis um, of vascular Outer Stanley Syndrome um, and they were actually kind of shocked because I don't think they would have went forward with the surgery the way they did if they would have known about vascular EDS diagnosis. Um, so that was that was that was how I was diagnosed.
0: So you were you were diagnosed with vets after you successfully had open heart surgery. Right. Holy cow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm they so did. glad that went okay. <laughs>
1: Man. I, I I didn't I didn't realize like you know until after I started reading up on on the vet stuff uh, that uh, like how severe like how lucky I was.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that is super so, lucky. So you so you didn't have any major events for for vets that caused them to genetically test you. It was actually just a precursor test for open heart surgery.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, and and there had been things in the past. Um, um, a few years prior, I was I was 28. A few years before my surgery, and uh, I was in the hospital, and they did uh, <clears throat> they did a heart catheter, um, and they had told me that uh, that I had an aneurysm in my aortic root. And at the time, at the time, I was kind of like. You know I'll go when when the Lord is ready to take me you know I don't want any kind of surgery like that's just how I felt Um, but then a couple years later it came up again and uh, and I had other heart issues as well Um, I had a mitral valve prolapse that had just started off you know it was a heart murmur the doctor told me when I was young you know it'll go away you know it's just something that you know people grow out of but it never it never went away um so that was that was how the heart surgery came to be
0: so your heart surgery was for the mitral valve prolapse
1: yes and the the aneurysm in my in my aortic root
0: wow so did they successfully Um, fix both of those things
1: they did I have um I have a 3d ring grafted in uh, to my aortic root, and uh, the good doctor at Cleveland Clinic, God bless him. He's, uh, he used he used my own scar tissue uh, to fix uh, the the stutter in the valve. Um, so no foreign materials other than the three D ring. Um, everything else is mine.
0: Wow, that's such a relief to hear that.
1: It's 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 a blessing the whole whole experience has been has been a blessing for me you know coming up coming up to the heart surgery i had i had no intention like even just like a month or two prior uh, before i had made the decision to have open heart um my life was totally wrecked um After after the heart surgery, I didn't I didn't really have an intention of sobering up. It was after my diagnosis um, in February of uh, two thousand and seventeen. Yes, two thousand and seventeen um, that I really changed my life around. Um, you know, I, I stopped using drugs, um, and I was like. I mean, I had, I had every excuse to like keep, keep using, and eventually, you know, just wind up in a box somewhere. Um. But, but I, I was blessed. I was blessed um, to have this chance.
0: Wow. So you've been sober since your diagnosis.
1: I have been sober. Uh, it's been eighteen months. I had, I've had, uh, thank you. I've had a couple. I had two relapses, um, two major relapses, uh, and I haven't. You know, at the at the end, I learned that it's not about like it's not about like going back out. It's about how you pick yourself back up mm-hmm. and not beating yourself up. And my life is my life. I mean, I don't even touch. I don't even touch pharmaceuticals anymore. I'm on. A, I'm on a homeopathic. Uh, that's that's my uh, uh, that's my regimen homeopathic regimen um,
0: so tell me about how you coped with your diagnosis
1: um well drug use um, at first <laughs> to be honest with you Katie <laughs> um, you, you know I didn't I didn't really have you know I. my family we, we love each other a lot but we have our own lives, you know? And I, I, I had to deal with it on my own, you know, for the first year. Um, I had my girlfriend with me. Um, and she's been an absolute, uh, just, she's amazing. I love her to death. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her.
0: What kind of feelings did you have when you were first diagnosed?
1: I was angry, um, I was hurt uh, a little bit of me i wasn't really I wasn't really surprised. I was almost kind of relieved. It was a lot of emotions all at once um, you know for for many years before then uh, before my diagnosis and before I knew that I had like serious heart problems um, I was always telling people that I was fragile like you have to be careful with me like i'm I'm fragile um and even even the friends that have known me the longest, like no wonder, <laughs> like, I've been saying for years that you're fragile. Like no wonder you're fragile. You got you've got vascular with Danlos, and um, so I mean it was it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with, um, emotionally. I mean you know yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not <clears throat> it's not easy. You know it. I. I guess I guess in the end I accepted it as uh, as a gift uh, more more than a curse just because of of how uh, how sour my life had been um, you know i I honestly believe if it wasn't for this diagnosis I'd be dead um, from an overdose um, or just not eating and staying up forever or you know I mean mentally I mean who know I mean there's there's been a lot involved uh, with this with this feds diagnosis um, I uh, it just answered a lot of questions for myself a lot of like struggles that I've had in my life um, you know not having energy um, is a big one you know watching everyone else like run circles and track and i can't like you know i gotta like i gotta hoof it to you know to really keep up and i don't understand what's going on you know what i mean and like my bones are popping as i get older and it's just like all this stuff and the diagnosis really really kind of put a perspective on everything um once once the initial like anger had had passed
0: so what other things did it explain for you that you experienced when you were younger? Um, The
1: double jointedness, um, the heart murmur, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the heart problems that I've had. Um, that was, I mean, I guess I, I always thought it was normal for people to have like translucent skin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I didn't really pay attention. You know, so it was, it was, it's, it's, that's a few things. As I get older, you know, it's the popping bones and, um, the, the arthritis at the age of 36. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's kind of jolted my anxiety a bit because I, I get anxiety attacks mm-hmm. a few times, uh, well sometimes a few times a day, and um, you know the doctors are like, "Well, you know, if you feel something weird, go to the hospitals." You can imagine, like every time I get an anxiety attack, and I go to the hospital.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like, like
1: you don't know, you know, like you don't know what's going on. The doctors are like, "Well, we've had so many blood works and you know tests done and CAT scans, and you know we can't really see what's going on, but you seem to be okay." And I'm like, I. They just tell me to come in here, doctor. (laughs) Like like you guys are supposed to tell me what's wrong. So what
0: do your anxiety attacks revolve around?
1: Um, I get palpitations. Um I so a lot of times I'll get palpitations and I'll think maybe I'm like having a heart attack Mm -hmm. or I I've got GERD. Um so (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's uh you know so so you know how it goes, you know the intestinal stuff will start kicking in, and a lot of times that feels like a heart attack yeah. um so it's that's that's the biggest ones um you know sometimes i'll get like uh I'll get like a jolt in the side of my neck and like the first thing I want to do is run to the hospital. <laughs> you know like this is and it's probably just a little muscle a little muscle spasm but i'm i think a lot of of us uh are super hyper aware of what's going on in our body and i don't i don't know i don't I don't know how you deal with it yourself but <laughs> for me for me i'm still learning for me i'm still learning so a lot of times I'll sit down and, like, I'll, I'll say a prayer. Or my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother's been a huge uh, rock in my life. And, uh, you know, I'll call her and she'll kind of, like, calm things down. But <laughs> I'm still I'm still learning. It's a day-at-a-time experience.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to know, um, you know, what what is serious pain, what is not serious pain. You know, and everything hurts. Right. So it's like, okay, you know, what are the... When do I know that this is a severe
1: thing? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, um. It's you know, and, and, and that's where, like, awareness really, like, comes into play. But then, like, you, it's like awareness is great, like, but we still don't have a grasp on, like, how to handle this thing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, there's not a lot of awareness in the community. There's a little bit. Yeah, it's but, growing. But, um... It 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 is. I wish it would it would grow more like, but you gotta have patience, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know the, the it's hard it's it, 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 it's hard to tell the difference between what's serious and what isn't when when in your head like everything that you feel is like <laughs> like a thousand deaths, you know. Yeah. Um. And then, and then in the end, it seems to just happen so quick, no matter what you do. You know, I just, I just read about, uh, I just read about a lady that died on Christmas. I think I read it through your feed. Uh, I think it was on your Twitter feed.
0: Yeah,
1: she she was, she was 48. God bless her. Um, You know, it's just, it's like a, it's like a thief in the night, you know. It does seem to happen
0: very fast.
1: And, and so that in that in knowing like just like how how fast things happen it's kind of almost in a way calm me down um, and the anxiety is really like lessened um, you know in the beginning I mean like I said I turned I turn to drug use and that that was <laughs> and that you know now I don't I don't I don't even take ibuprofen anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my diet is a huge part of uh, my sanity. <laughs> so
0: tell me about
1: your diet. Um, it just seems—it just seems like for myself, a lot of me feeling good day to day relies on what I put into my body. You know, I used to get these horrible, horrible headaches. I remember telling me about the headaches?
0: Oh yeah, it was like thunderclap um, headaches, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and. I quit drinking caffeine, coffee in particular, and I, I swear I haven't had a single one. Wow. Not a single one. One time I had some I had some tea at a, at a friend's house and uh that gave me a headache. Um another time I had hot chocolate and that gave me a headache. So like, you know, some a lot of a, a lot of caffeine is okay. what I stay with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it mine too.
1: Yeah. I'm not like, completely
0: but
1: Yeah, I love coffee. Like I and I tried to go decaf, you know, like I I go to IHOP, we go to IHOP one day and and I tried the decaf and I just don't see the point of it's like putting it's like putting water in your gas tank. You know, you don't you don't go to the gas station to put water in your gas tank. <laughs> You're
0: talking to somebody who drinks decaf all day long.
1: Man, it's so
0: hard. Love uh it. And
1: I have it and I'm like, I, I got the smile on my face, but like you just, just, just grin and you just sip and you just wish it was caffeine. <laughs>
0: <sighs> so um, what other changes is having this diagnosis meant for you? Um, whether it's doctors or relationships?
1: Um, <laughs> doctors, um, uh, my relationship with doctors has been a little bit more cautious. Um, and I've heard this uh, a few times since my diagnosis but you know I used to put so much faith in doctors and then this diagnosis comes along and it it like changed (laughs) it just changed all that it changed how I felt about doctors it it made me realize that I need to be more aware of what's going on with myself Um, because I mean doctors can say what they want but I think like we're the only ones that really know what's going on with us like (laughs) sometimes it feels that way
0: yeah
1: um as far as uh, relationships with my family um and my loved ones you know um they they've been they haven't been better in a long time um that's good you know of course the diagnosis and then me sobering up um and then when people in my family and my friends saw that I was serious about cleaning my life and turning it around um, they've always been there you know I just I wasn't <laughs> and uh, things have been things have been good um, you know I have the trust of people again And that's cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: Um, and people believe me. You know, uh, originally, originally when I got diagnosed, um, they were kind of like, "You don't really have this diagnosis. Like, you're just making this up." Um, But um, once they once they saw like what was going on and the seriousness of it, and me taking serious action um yeah the support the support has been I couldn't have, I couldn't have, <laughs> I couldn't have made it without you know Holly and my girlfriend and my grandmother and my father it's just been amazing this whole this whole diagnosis has been like a spin cycle
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> does anybody else in your family have this
1: um I don't know um my mother my mother i think i know she had uh, neurofibromatosis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um i don't know much else she passed away uh, at the age of 29. Wow. um from she had uh she had tumors uh and eventually i think one of them turned cancerous um
0: So that is what neurofibromatosis is, right? It's the development of these tumors?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. In
0: your brain?
1: Yeah. Um, my, and she was adopted, my mom was adopted, so anything before then, I don't really know, I don't, I don't have any kind of information on, Mm -hmm. um, I'm working on it. But, um, my, let's see, on my father's side, um, my my grandparents are pretty much like like his mom. They're, they're all like perfect, pills of health. But uh, his father, um, my grandfather, uh, he's had uh, acute uh, arrhythmia or something um, like his whole life. Um, and I have a cousin, uh, Christine, that had joined the air force and when they were uh when they were going overseas uh they had actually found out that christine had like blood clots or something she had this condition um but i don't i don't know if she's ever actually tested i don't know that anyone else in my family's actually ever been tested for vets but we do have history of heart complications and blood clots a lot of blood clots um yeah so, but as far as I know, I'm the first one my, in, in my family.
0: Um, did they offer your family any testing after you were diagnosed?
1: Um, they had suggested uh, my son get tested. Um, they didn't really go into, into and I think they had asked me like if my family, if anyone in my family had ever had it. And I asked my grandfather, and he said that as far as he knows, nobody has it. Mm-hmm. And the doctors, they didn't really, they didn't really offer like testing extended past, like my son.
0: Did your son get tested?
1: Um. So my son lives with his mother. Um, I told her about this two years ago. Um, I am under the assumption that she is taking him. Um, mm-hmm. we talk all the time. Uh, he, he doesn't know, he doesn't know if he's ever been tested, <laughs> but, um, I, I can't, I can't have a conversation with his mom. Yeah. How old
0: is your son? He is 13.
1: 13. 13. He just turned 13.
0: <laughs> Does he have any of the hypermobility and things that you have? From
1: what I've seen, no. He's not that flexible, um uh but like he's got kind of like a thin nose so it's it's really like it's really I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think he does. Um but we'll see. Yeah.
0: Well, it's something Jesus that Christ. I've been pressing
1: <laughs> it's something that I've been pressing for well, over almost 2 years. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Can only talk so much, you know, before someone does something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, fingers crossed that he doesn't have it. For sure. How fun. Now, did you move I know, from one state to another to be closer to doctors?
1: I did. Um, I had originally moved to Arizona to be closer to my grandmother. He'll take care of my grandmother. And, uh,. Getting away from Ohio was also part of my recovery, um, but uh, yeah, the doctors had told me when I was in Arizona uh, that being an hour and twenty minutes away from the hospital was too much, um, and my girlfriend lives in Texas, um, and I had heard about um, uh, UT UT Southwestern.
0: Okay. The um, they
1: they have a really good like vascular team, um, so it just it just made sense, you know, since I had to move closer anyways to a doctor, it just made sense to move to Texas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's so,
0: that's. What kind of care team do you have set up? Um,
1: it, right now, um, not much. Not much of of anything Um, because I don't have insurance. Um, And I haven't seen the vascular team at UT Southwestern yet because I don't live in the county. And usually uh, they only offer like financial assistance if you live within the county. Um, But they might make an exception because I have a rare thing, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I'm working on that. Um, But as far as like doctors go, you know, like, I mean, I've been to the ER like a dozen times in the past couple months, but uh, past that, I don't really have like any kind of a team.
0: Do the doctors in the ER know about what you have?
1: Um, Yeah, uh, the the one guy, um, the one guy, uh, he understands, he understands pretty good but uh, there's a couple, there's a couple of doctors there that, uh, It's it, sorry, it's like how it's been, you know, most of my life, like, you know, something's wrong and I go to the hospital and like most of the doctors there, they just, you know, you don't have anything wrong with you, you know, you're fine, go home, you know, like my head, I'm like, this doesn't make sense, you know, because I don't feel good, but doctors are telling me I'm crazy, and that
0: has to be so frustrating.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a little frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frustrating.
0: I remember experiencing that before my diagnosis, and even sometimes after, too. Yeah. You get you get ER doctors that, you know, they hear others' demos, and so they immediately put you under the type 3 hypermobility umbrella of Danlos, and right and one doctor tell me i don't understand why you're here you're not you're at no higher risk of a dissection than anybody else i was like um <laughs> oh pretty gosh. sure that's exactly what my diagnosis of Feds means <laughs> that i'm at a higher risk
1: right. <laughs> oh my gosh that's so horrible
0: yeah so one of the things that has really helped me is having a having a doctor on my team like Shireen Chalub at the University of Washington, because she, I mean, she'll just she'll call them for you. She'll be like, "Let me let me talk to them." <laughs> wow. So I think the I've found that the major major hospitals like the University of Washington, um, they they typically have doctors who can really be on your team like that. So hopefully, when hmm. you get to the University of Texas Southwestern. I think that's what that probably stands for.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. UT, UT Southwestern University of Texas.
0: Yeah, so they they hopefully both have somebody that can really be on your team as an advocate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have I have hope, I have faith. <laughs> yeah. My I have I have I also have a really bad like uh uh what do you call that? Um uh I procrastinate a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it's a big, you know, it's a big mixture between procrastination and me arguing with myself in my head, like, well, I'm sure they got better things to do. Just do it tomorrow. you we'll bother tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's kind of what goes on in my head. Yeah. That's a big reason as to why I don't really have a team.
0: So, what kinds of complications have you had with thuds?
1: Um, prior to my to my diagnosis um, back in 07 I had uh, orthoscopic knee uh, reconstructive surgery orthoscopic reconstructive surgery yeah there we go (laughs) Um, on my right knee and uh, the surgery went fine Um, and then I went home It was probably six hours, six hours after I had gotten home. Um, And my wife had looked at me and she was like, you just turned blue. And I don't really remember like what happened, Um, but we went to the hospital and they had told me that uh, I had a blood clot that had passed. I had a PE and uh, they admitted me in a hospital. I was in the hospital for ten days. I caught a pneumonia. Um, the next day after they admitted me, um, that was that was probably the worst ten days. <laughs> that was that was worse than than the open heart recovery. Wow. Um, that whole thing was so nuts. I thought I was going to die. I, I mean, it was it was really bad. I had this blood clot. I mean, the lung, it was in my lung. You know, I wasn't going to die, but the had the 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 sick <laughs> how sick I was it was unreal I couldn't believe how sick I was um but they they nursed me back to health um, uh that that was that's that's really I guess the only that's the only blood clot complication I've had yeah.
0: what um what had happened to your knee um I was at work um
1: and I worked I worked in an aluminum fabrication plant mm-hmm. and uh, so it's a lot of machinery and uh, a lot of oil and usually when you spill oil you're supposed to put this dry right so it's basically a cat litter yeah. you know? um but someone spilled oil or there was oil leaking and nobody failed to see it um and I I was I was lining it for another department um I had uh a roll of paper on my shoulder it was about 50 pounds, and uh, I hit the oil slick and uh, twisted my knee and uh, snapped it. Um, my leg immediately like tripled in size, and uh, so that's how that happened.
0: <laughs> Did your ACL?
1: I tore my ACL, I tore my medial meniscus.
0: Yep,
1: so they put in some staples. Um, the surgery took three hours, four hours.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you know, this was, all, this was all part of worker's comp um, and worker's comp was very like, you know, if you have a blood clot, we're not gonna like re- recoup you, you know, until the blood clot is gone. Um, they wouldn't even pay for it until the blood clot was gone. So, um, you know, that was nine months uh, that I couldn't, that I couldn't go to the therapist, wow. you know, to work on my knee, um, during which time, you know, uh, I mean, I was only collecting, I was collecting workers comp, you know, which is only like, I think I was getting like, uh, eight, seven or 800, like every two weeks, mm-hmm. which isn't really much, you know, um, um, and because I would stopped working, um and my wife had thought that you know I was just being lazy um you know and she left <laughs> you know <laughs> she left um she's like you know I don't want to be with some guys not working and uh you know it was just it was like I, I thought there was something wrong with me you know and like people are telling me you know you don't have anything wrong with you you got this blood clot and you know there's like all these other complications and my body's never really been right ever since that, that. That butt clock kind of triggered a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, um...
0: Yeah. Wow. That's similar to how I tore my ACL all the way through. <sighs> I slipped on some mop water at work. Oh, my gosh. Just, I guess I just twisted it just the right way, and it tore it, I think, like 99% of the way through. Yeah. And for a few weeks, it was... They didn't think there was anything wrong with my knee. They didn't do a scan. They're just like, oh yeah, you're fine. Come back in four weeks. I came oh. back in four weeks, and my muscle had atrophied. And they did a scan, and oh. oh wow, your ACL's torn all the way through. <laughs> they think those those injuries they just tend to be more severe for us.
1: Yeah. Everything tears. Yeah, which. Which is very, it's,
0: its like I said, it's almost comforting because I've always thought
1: that there was something wrong with me my whole life and everyone's like, oh, you're fine, but there is something wrong with me. <laughs> I've been telling people my whole life, <laughs> Katie, we're crazy.
0: <laughs> it's like, look, there's something wrong with us, see? <sighs> it's such an, it's hard having an invisible illness, especially yeah. one that's so rare because doctors don't notice it immediately.
1: So many times I go to the hospital and they have to Google. They Google. Like, uh, we're going to Google that. We'll be back. Like,
0: <laughs> you're, you're supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> you guys are the pros. <laughs> yeah, I've actually talked to uh, physician assistant students that it's completely left out of their textbooks. It's yeah. wild.
1: It's, um. well, you, you know, when the the bare bones like ugliness about it is that it doesn't create enough problems for the pharmaceutical companies to make money off of it you know when you hear something like a rare disease rare only means that it doesn't make money like and, and, and that, that's really that's 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 where a lot of my anger comes from today um, when it comes to like you know the medical community not moving fast enough or progress being shown you know um or you know more people being interested in this because it doesn't it doesn't pull in that one thing that controls everything else and that's money um, you know um but it is nice to know that that you know I'm not crazy that we're not crazy, yeah um. <laughs> you know every day I, I hope and I pray that you know like this miracle here comes you know <laughs> like you know at least at least you know if anything so, you know the the generation coming in now has a chance because <laughs> there's so many other things in this world to do than like sitting around like wondering if today's gonna be the day
0: oh yeah what do you like to do
1: um I like to work out, um, I like being outside, um, I love spending time with my girlfriend, um, um, yeah, basically anything to keep my mind busy. Is
0: there anything about your workout routine that has changed since your diagnosis? Um,
1: I don't, I don't use, uh, I don't use heavy weights. Um, um, I've, I go on the elliptical a lot more now.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I don't, uh, I don't really jog as much. Um, but other than that, you know, it's just the same routine, just lighter weights and more concentration. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it seems, it seems like with every workout routine, like, i focus more on just making sure i don't fall (laughs) or you know stuff like that yeah um but it's you know it's it's good it's 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 very help helpful um it's getting to the point where if i miss if i miss working out like my anxiety starts to kick up and my body starts to hurt and So it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword, you know, because of working out, you know, you get sore and it's kind of, it's kind of painful for us on our joints. But if we don't, it's even worse. Yeah.
0: I've experienced that too. When,
1: when, when I stopped moving, um, you know, even, even back in 07 when I had my surgery and I stopped moving, I just, I got real, like, I was just always in pain and I couldn't understand why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, now we know why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> double-edged sword.
1: <laughs> yeah, double-edged
0: sword. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking with me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Katie.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners?
1: Keep your heads held high. There are hope. There is hope. There are hope.
0: <laughs> there are hope. <laughs> There is hope.
1: <laughs> there are hope.
0: There are many hopes.
1: <laughs> there are many hopes. You're right.
0: There we go all right um well thank you everybody for listening this was staying connected this is katie and ed and um this is ed's story with vascular ehlers-danlos syndrome so if you like the podcast go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast player we have new episodes coming out on the last sunday of every month for now and hopefully in the future there might be more than that but right now last sunday of every month so hit subscribe. If you have vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and you want to be on the podcast or you want to talk to somebody else with veds, go ahead and hit me up on my uh, contact me page on my blog and we can get in touch. So thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you soon.